Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Well, good morning to all of you who are here and all who are participating, attending virtually. This is of the, uh, this is the second of our chapels um, committed to a theme of following Jesus. Just as uh, Peter told us, and we considered this the last time, <clears throat> toward the end of 1 Peter 2, that Christ Jesus has left us an example for us to follow in his steps. Paul, here in Ephesians 5, tells us that we should walk <clears throat> as Christ walked. In doing so, we are in fact imitating God as beloved children of the Father. Now, being a child um, can be viewed negatively, and in fact, Paul does so in the previous chapter. Uh, it is a state of immaturity. There's more expected growth, not only physically, but also in understanding and discernment. For this reason, early in the epistle, we are told that the ascending Christ gave gifted men, gifted roles from apostles to teachers to the church so that we would no longer be children. There, being a child meant being immature tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, Ephesians 4.14. We certainly should not remain in that state. Then in Ephesians 4, he goes on to say that a believer's growth comes about from learning Christ. It's actually a very interesting expression. Um, it could be learning about Christ. It's amounting to the same thing. But did you know, I know seven people here, or a few more know this, do you know that actually the word disciple has something to do with learning? A disciple is actually a learner. So in fact, it's the same root, mathetes, disciple, mantano, to learn. And when he says, this is not how you learn Christ or learned about Christ, that can be tied to our being a follower of Christ. A disciple of Christ is one who learns from Christ. And we learn best by imitating his example. Here in Ephesians 5.1, we are told that we should imitate our Lord or even imitate God as dearly loved children. You should imitate God as a child who is truly loved by the parent would imitate the parent. The parent loves the child dearly because he or she is eager to imitate them. Christ himself is the model in this regard. Twice God said out of heaven, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And that is also your calling and my calling 
According to Colossians 1, 9 and 10, for example, Paul says, writing to the Colossian believers, and so from the day we heard, we haven't ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that we may be filled with the knowledge of the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. So, comes to our <clears throat> question to ponder this morning, how do we imitate God as beloved children? Answer is by walking in love. And many of you here might say, I'm doing that. I'm walking in love head over heels. You also feel like you are in heaven. But we might ask the question again. Or you are, if you are not, you are hoping for it, right? <clears throat> but we might ask the question again, how do we walk in love? And the answer is right here. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. We think of love generally in relation to the things that we wish to get. I love that house. What does that mean? I want to buy it. I love that guy. I love that girl. It's always getting, isn't it? When we think of love in those terms. That love being equal to, I find that attractive and want to make it my own, um, is really how often we think of love. It is attractive. I am drawn to it. It moves me. I want to get it. I'm reminded of an experience, I've said it a few times, but not to you. As a young man, I was sitting at the home of a brother in the Lord, in, the, in the, their home, uh, enjoying their company, and we had eaten dinner, and the dessert were, was cookies, and so the little girl in the house said, oh, I love that cookie, and her dad said, what are you going to do for it? You think, what are you going to do for the cookie? Well, you said you love it because a right understanding of love that we get from God is that to love someone, to love something is to act in the ultimate benefit and good of the object of your love. I once asked my son the same thing. He just said, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> I expected something like, you know, I'm... I'm going to allow it to participate, you know, come into union with me, assimilation with my body, chemicals, and he didn't go that far. He just said, he's just going to eat it. However, this getting love is not the love that we are being exhorted to here. The above kind of love can be good, but can also be bad. We are, in fact, warned by John in 1 John not to have that love of, that kind of love, where the object is undesirable. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world, for the things which are in the world, which are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. These things are all motivated by the seeming attractiveness of things which we want them to possess, but they are ultimately not from God. 
They have defiling components to them. We are commanded not to love the world of lust and power. The love we are being called to manifest is not by getting, but by giving. So here our verse says, walk in love just as Christ loved us, and what? And gave himself for us. Or you are all theologically astute, you know Bible verses, we know love by this. How? Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In this is love. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There was a, it's a hymn that I used to sing in love years ago. It was new when it was first written. It's now but many decades um, it says, love was when God became a man, locked in time and space without rank or place. Love was God, born of Jewish kin, just a carpenter with some fishermen. Love was when Jesus walked in history. Lovingly, he brought a new life that's free. Love was God, nailed to bleed and die to reach and love one such as I. Love is when God became a man down where I could see love that reached to me. Love was God dying for my sin, and so trapped was I, my whole world caved in. Love was when Jesus rose to walk with me. Lovingly, he brought a new life that's free. Love was God. Only he would try to reach and love one such as I. The Son of God became a man because he loved us. Although he was in the form of God, he did not consider that state something to grasp onto and not give up. He was not unwilling to let go. He came down into our condition and our world. He suffered for our benefit. So love has a cost. Walking in love means enduring costs of various kinds for the benefit of others. In the past, we have, even in the present context, we have seen much resistance in many quarters to enduring inconveniences such as wearing a mask or being in quarantine or other kinds of limitations, although these minor inconveniences are for the benefit of others. If I have symptoms of illness, for me to exercise caution and isolate myself is for the benefit of others. It is inconvenient, but that would be acting in love. And that falls within range of conduct that we would describe as love. Our Lord not only gave up everything to come and save us while he lived here, he also did not act with self-interest. <clears throat> he did not use his power and prerogatives for personal benefit. That's a good thing for us to note. The world operates in terms of hierarchies of power 
and the ones with the most power get the most perks of office. Our Lord was not this way. I should say, when I first drove onto the Emmaus parking lot, I looked around and was impressed to find there was not a parking space assigned to the president. Our Lord, while he lived on earth, multiplied loaves and changed water to wine for the benefit of others. When it came to his own need, he would not command a stone to turn to bread. He walked the weary roads of Galilee, Samaria, and Judea, never teletransported himself. When in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they went back and fell. He still stood there and allowed them to come and arrest him and abuse him and take him to his trial. He came to pay for our sins. He was not thinking of himself. When we imitate the example of our Lord, having our way gives place to being gracious and generous and considerate. Instead of seeking our own will and pleasure, we seek to please God. This is what it says about our Lord. Christ loved us and handed himself over for our sake as an offering and sacrifice for a pleasing aroma to God. The syntax here in the Greek can be analyzed in slightly different ways, but they all mean the same. Christ offered himself as a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice on our behalf. It was offered to God. It was that sacrifice was of a pleasing aroma to God the Father. What this alludes to is the sacrifices mentioned at the beginning of Leviticus. The whole burnt offering, the grain offering, the fellowship offering. Now the burnt offering is worthy of special note. It is presented at the head of the list. It can be a voluntary offering by someone who wants to offer to the Lord. It says you can pick a bull, one of the flock, an animal without defect. You bring it before the Lord to the tabernacle lay your hands on it as your substitute. You slay it before the altar and the priest offers it up completely on the altar. The animal without defect substitutes for the worshiper who has defects. It is offered up completely because that's how our lives are to be lived. We are to live to God completely. To God who has loved us and given us life and everything pertaining to it in great kindness. And this is how our Lord lived. He lived for God. From youth on, his priority was to pay attention to the things pertaining to the Father. Our Lord's words in John's Gospel frequently attest to this. For instance, in John 8, 28-29, he says, I do nothing of my own. But speaking, I speak just as the Father taught me. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And our, the, our exhortation, in fact, here in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, is kind of placed in the context of exhortations to the believers in Ephesus and other readers of this letter. 
uh, many practical directives here, starting with don't be angry uh, and sin, uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger, then verse 29 of chapter 4, no foul language should come forth from your mouth, but only what is good for building. In fact, he comes back to it uh, in, in chapter 5, 4, says, um, obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving of things. We can look at many directives for practical conduct in the New Testament and view them as rules, things we must do or must not do. In our Lord's perspective, he lived as one who wanted to please his father as a child who loved the father, and that would have been the right way to live. He had no sin, but he had plenty of external provocation. His words were always pleasing to the Father. And in the New Testament, the Gospels themselves note how his words were gracious words. And we are exhorted likewise to speak graciously, to minister grace to one another the way we speak. His deeds were always pleasing to the Father. His thoughts were pleasing to the Father. All his choices were governed by the standard of what would be approved by the Father. And this is our model and standard. To love God is to hate evil. We can look at all of the practical instructions for living in the New Testament and say, oh boy, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I can't do that, I can't get away with that. And very often we think of sin in terms of how far can I push the envelope? Ephesians 5 is exhorting us to a different outlook. God has become your father. Are you going to be a child who loves the father? Are you going to be a beloved child to your heavenly father? Are you going to seek to please him? Is that your ultimate desire? And in view of in view of the great price the Father paid in giving the Son, the great price the Son paid in giving himself for our sake, nothing, nothing that we can do for him amounts to much. We are called to this. Be imitators of God. Because when you imitate the Son, you also imitate the Father. Christ is our example both for how to love God, because he lived his life here on earth in perfect obedience to the will of God, his Father. In imitating his example, we are being imitators of God and of the perfect man who lived here on earth. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. As we close in prayer, I would ask you to bring yourself to God's presence and consider this as we close. Do you love God? You see, your Father 
Do you have the heart of a child who loves your heavenly Father who has been infinite in his grace to you? Would you purpose this morning to be a beloved child to imitate his modern example as you live? If so, make that commitment to him of your desire as we pray. Oh, Father, we give you thanks for your Son, who is our example, who lived here on earth in perfect obedience to your will, to all pleasing. That was his first priority. He loved us and gave himself for our sake. You also give us opportunities to love you and to love your own, that our lives would be lived for you, that we would seek above all things to do things which endure, which are pleasing to you, which are a blessing to others. As we conclude, as we go our ways, give us this grace that we would truly be imitators of God as children beloved to you, and that we would walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for our sake, an offering to God of a sweet savor. May our lives be likewise pleasing to you, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.